Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready for the night journal podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Knife Journal podcast. My name is Kyle Versteg. I am here with uh, James Noka, and uh, actually I'm not there with him, I'm several states away, and we're having a, just a real quick uh, podcast uh, before I head to the woods. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed today that you're not using your NPR voice. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We must not be caring much about offending people anymore. Well, <laughs> uh, I try to do my best. Speaking yeah. of which, I have a public service announcement. Um, yeah, I talked about uh, sour ales and sour beers a few podcasts ago. Um, people, those are uh, those are very oftentimes higher in alcohol content. Um, sometimes. <laughs> by ridiculous levels and uh last night i had three beers and uh you know three beers that's enough to it's always enough for me you know i don't need any more than that but it's not enough to make me stupid right it's just you know have a three beers and that might be what you have during an entire football game or whatever it is you're doing um well i had three beers um and they were three sour ales, and I did not discover until I was completely and totally blasted that they were nine percent beers. <laughs> so it was Isn't like funny? it was like drinking like between six and ten of the regular beers that I drink. And so uh, <laughs> people, just uh, if you are going to consume uh, sour ales, just make sure that you uh, check the alcohol content on them beforehand. <laughs> Um, because you can get pretty screwed up very quickly. Yeah, drinking that stuff. I do know that. Um, you got your mic close to you. How's that? Yeah, that's better. The last uh, podcast, you sounded a little distant. Um, anyway, we I've been a little distant lately. I will say that we thought we'd have a emergency episode. Uh, let's see. I got. A couple different questions. The first one is uh, somebody noticed that I've been using this uh, kind of affected voice every once in a while. Like I'll say people like that. Well, that comes from a uh, a clip that somebody posted on Facebook of this guy, uh, this, this Australian guy, uh, getting arrested. Assured me that I could speak. Sit down inside the car. We're not assuring anything. We're under arrest. Look, I'm under what? Gentlemen, this is democracy manifest. Have a look at the headlock here. See that chap over there? Get your hand off my penis! This is the bike who got me on the penis before. Get some cups. Why did you do this? Pop in the car. Get some cups. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Oh, that's a nice headlock, sir. 
Oh, uh, yes. I see that you know your judo well. Good one. And you, sir, are you waiting to receive my limp penis? How dare you get your hands on me? Tata and farewell. One tough look. <laughs> and uh, it turns out this guy's got this big long history of like dining and dashing so you like he'll go in and he'll like uh, order a big meal and eat it and then just refuse to pay well he got arrested for doing it in Australia and like his arrest is like just hilarious because the guy was a lawyer and uh, he was the Hungarian chess champion <laughs> so the guy's intelligent <laughs> And uh, he's really playing it up for the camera. I'll splice it in here. But he, he uh, some some like classic quotes. That some of the things that have kind of crept into my language are he uh, he he says it real like indignant like people like that. And uh, he says uh, arrested for what? Eating a meal, a succulent Chinese meal. Because <laughs> you know, so awesome. My wife and I are just dying laughing about it. So I've been kind of. Every once in a while, that'll sneak into my speech. So there's the answer to that question. Um, we had a couple, after I closed the thread on Facebook for um, questions for this our, this uh, episode, I had like one or two more questions come through. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, <clears throat> You're such a polo prolific poster yeah I know. it's probably hard to find it even on your own page okay so here it is it's um one of our uh listeners writes uh um i would like to know or i'd like to hear your opinion about uh fixed blade edcs i wear a little three inch blade every day but it isn't common to see them uh are they countercultural? your thoughts um I don't know. Well, all what do you think? I, all I know, all I know, is that if you watch Sons of Anarchy, every one of those guys has got like an eight-inch blade, like a either a K bar or some. I, it's the most prevalent I've ever seen. It was this season. Hmm. Um, most of the guys had them in the past, but you never you never saw them, a lot of them, you know. But now, I mean, they're like right out there in front of God and everybody. Yeah. The um, on uh, and uh, you know, I went to Sturgis one year. A lot of a lot of the guys were had knives on, um, yep. and Sonny Barger, the founder of the Hell's Angels, actually used to wear a Schrade sharp finger. Yeah. Um. So I think that that that, that that's part of the culture there. Uh, as far as like you know, everyday folk doing it, I I don't see a lot of them because um, a lot of those are uh, too big to fit in a pocket, or if they're in a pocket, it's difficult to get them out of the sheath and this and that. So. I, I just think that they're less common um, because people don't want to wear them on their belt. In in my neighborhood, there is a fair number. Um, uh, not everybody. I'm just not. Yeah. Not everybody's doing this, but there is a fair number of people that will wear smallish fixed blade knives. A lot of them are usually outdoorsy type people, um, back to nature people. You see them. They wear those. Uh, they don't wear a fedora, but what's that other style hat that they? Like a like a crusher hat. Um, okay, I can't think of the name of the hat, but like it's a boonie. Yeah, it's no. You're, they're usually felt. I can't. I mean, 
Hmm. Berber. Oh man, I can't think of the name, but anyways, mm -hmm. but they're. Um, uh, if you saw it, you'll recognize it. A lot of the guys that don't want to wear ball caps or boonie caps, they don't want to. They don't want to look like uh, any kind of tactical stuff. You know, they'll right. wear a they'll wear a felt uh, a felt hat. And it's uh -huh. sort of kind of like a fedora, but not really. Kind of like an Indiana Jones hat. Okay. Yeah, those, I haven't. Those uh, guys will wear, you know, and, and you'll see them, and they'll have like a white tail antler base as a handle, and you know, yeah, nice, almost nice almost lives. purely ornamental, but not so. But you know, but some of them you can tell probably use them. Yeah, and they just use them for instead of having a fix, instead of having a pocket knife. I mean, I, I it's not an uncommon sight here. It is. I it mean, is where I live. I I, I never <laughs> see them, and that's that's part of the reason that I made the imps. Um, is that they can fit in any pocket and disappear, or you can wear it around your neck, and you've got a little fixed blade, um, and uh, you can you can wear it in your front pocket and sit down in the car, and you're never going to know it's there. Uh, yeah. It's it's way it's way it's got the footprint smaller than a credit card, and you got a fixed blade with a two inch blade on it. So, I I carry an imp now and again. Actually, what I've been carrying lately um, is. Uh, Benchmade Mini Griptilian or um, this new one, the uh, Benchmade 940, um, which is a fantastic little folder. Um, if you haven't handled one, um, check them out. They're really cool. Yep, uh, it's a nice a, looking knife. Very yeah, they're attractive knife. Right, and the, um, the the thing that's different about these is a lot of the Benchmades and other knives are using kind of tall blades. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. between an inch and inch and a quarter or whatever blade height. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the blade height is on this, but I'd say it's right around uh, three quarters of an inch. So it's, you know, and it's kind of a long, um, short, uh, you know, longer blade with uh, that's not very tall. So it's got kind of a striking look about it. Um, and then it's, it's one of Benchmade's uh, higher quality ones too. So it's got the metal handle and... It's an axis lock, so check those out if you, if you guys haven't seen them. See if you can find one. Play with it. I I carry um, if I'm going to be just like out and about, and I'm not going, I'm not going into the woods purposely going into the woods. Um, every once in a while, I'll carry a, um, that mini bushcrafter. I really like that knife. Yeah. Um, or the Littenbrow, which is about the same size, a little bit thinner. Uh, both of them, I believe, are three V, uh -huh. and um, and it's just a kind of a handy little knife. And and when you and when you carry a knife like that, the sheath is so important. It's not even funny because that's the that's the part where you know the whole security part that you're afraid of whether or not you're going to lose it. Uh -huh. And um, uh, you know, so so the sheath is. When you you know if you're deciding on a knife to carry every day in the, you know you got to make sure that you can that it stays secure in your in your stuff because uh, all it takes is you know one little slip and it's laying on the cement or it's or it's um, it you fall out it falls out and you lose it and that kind of sucks I uh -huh. hate losing knives with a passion <clears throat> yeah it's no fun. Um, nope. So, uh, let's see. What else do we know? Um, he, 
that same guy also asked if other people's wives get mad at them for shaving their arm hair <laughs> while testing <laughs> knives. No. And well, I just not have like a little patch missing, you know. I don't I don't go you know, too crazy. I, I wear shorts a lot in the summertime and a lot of times I'll shave the tops of my thighs <laughs> with with t- testing, you know, like I run out of all the arm hair on my arms, so now I'm now I'm working on the tops of my legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Shaving sharp. Shaving sharp. Actually it'd be kinda nice to if you could just shave the arm hair off your wife. She she really doesn't have any. No. Huh. No, um, she's not the right descent. You have to be French, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the other uh, piece of news that kind of s- we talked about last week, but um, kind of snuck past, uh, is that uh, case, and I'm unwrapping it right now, people. Oh, just got uh, it, huh? They, nice. uh, they re-released the elephant toe um, from the vault. And I am holding one right now, XX Vault uh, VE1 slash 11. I'm not sure what nice. that means. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's uh, I I got one with uh, that's kind of a burnt uh, amber bone. Uh, real nice Jig. little piece. Yep. That's sweet looking. Yep. Yep. So Instagram that shit. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to hit that. So I, I just, just wanted to make sure that people knew that that was actually released, and we've been calling for that, or I've been probably oh, yeah. the only one calling for that for years. And, well, they, and so they sold they sold one. Yeah, they sold one to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, they sold um, one to you. Let's see. What else do we know? Um, Knife-wise. Oh, I know. Um, you guys, uh, I, I, read this, I read this article... And I can't remember where I saw it, but I think you can probably Google it um, about gravity knives. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it basically. It, I might even not know what a gravity knife is because I've like never handled one, and the definition is kind of screwy anyway. But it's like you know those uh, police batons that you can flick them and it'll extend yep. fully. Well, yep. apparently, like back in olden times um they used to have knives that would deploy that way yep and um they banned them especially in new york and yeah, it was it had to do with the switchblade law too i think yeah it was right around that time and i i saw this article that uh there's this crazy number of people getting arrested for having gravity knives in new york current 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 uh because really? because they're defining any knife that you can like, that oh, you can open, open. Yeah. Uh, as a gravity knife, and so guys, wow. and and what the the cops were doing was just they just look and see, look at your pocket as you walk by, and if they see a clip there, then chances are you're going to have a pocket knife, and they'll ask. Yeah, to and see you can it. and you can shake. Uh, hang on a second, I'll see if I can. I have one here that you can shake out. I think you can shake if you they they considered if you even if it had a thumb stud if you could go like this and it would lock open yeah it was a, that was considered a gravity knife yeah now well, it, yeah the, they in, and there's a lot of knives because of the way knives are modern manufactured nowadays that'll do that yep like that that's a yeah, gravity knife and you have to um and the other thing is is that uh, a lot of times 
the officers when they're and these are like knives that you can buy in the hardware store so a lot of these guys were like on their way back from work or something and and they keep getting busted and then um prosecuted actually prosecuted for it yeah yeah and, i heard that too yeah and so th- that that came across my desk um the other thing and this is pretty crazy uh is uh you know we've we've been talking about uh, religions lately and um, uh, religious headgear and such like this. Um, for the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, it's a pirate hat. Well, um, you can actually bring a knife to school, um, and this this story is from Auburn, Washington, wherever that is. You can bring a knife to school if you're of the Sikh religion. So S I K H, they have like these yep. knives with the curvy sheaths and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can, you, can wear, you can bring that. Interesting. Yep. Um, so that's well, uh, you know what's uh, uh, what's kind of funny about it? it's interesting because that's right where that school shooting was. Yeah. So right now we're we're currently in another one of these things where they get a or somebody shoots up a school and all this, you know. So um, that's that's currently ongoing as we're recording this. Um, so look <laughs> for more stuff about how you need to ban guns and. Oh yeah, that. that's and coming down the pipe lately. That's coming down the pipe lately, but the, but it's interesting though. Um, a lot of people misunderstand the Sikh religion. Um, I don't I don't personally know a lot about it, but. I do know it's a misunderstood religion. I remember right after 9-11, uh, there was a, a very famous Sikh knife maker that people who have been around the industry for a while will know who he is. That is, uh, uh, at the Blade Show, he would do um, uh, yoga uh, classes, relaxation yeah. classes, that kind of stuff in the morning before you start your day. And uh, he actually had a pretty good turn, you know, pretty good turnouts. And he did beautiful work. I mean, I bought a pair of earrings for my wife from him. Cool. And um, his name is Jote. Uh, and anyway, <clears throat> I remember after nine eleven, he sewed an American flag on his on his the outfit that he wears because he wears headgear. And I guess that they those guys were getting beat up. Yeah, because they don't understand from, that uh, that's not the same right. thing at all. Exactly. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Shooting is going on yesterday. We had an axing day before. Was it yesterday or day before yesterday? Yeah, that didn't make a, much news. The ax, the axing was yesterday. The Canadians got hit twice now. Yeah, they um, ran over workplace violence, of course. Ran yeah, over ran, somebody and then then shot and up. Shot a fell at their tomb of an unknown soldier. Killed a, killed one of their reservists and then ran into Parliament and was stopped. By the sergeant at arms, and it was kind of funny when I heard that. It was like, 
awesome. You know, this guy, sergeant, usually sergeant at arms is kind of a ceremonial position. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, he has the uniform and a big, like a, like a British, one of those British Navy or British Army, um, like a admiral's cap from like 1700s, you know, with yeah. all the plumes yeah. on it and stuff. And um, I guess, I guess his, he heard the, stu- the commotion going on, walked out of his office Opened up his drawer, pulled out his gun, um, and went out in the hallway. And the guy was running toward him with his gun, and he just dropped him. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And then today they had some big celebration there, and you know he he just went back into his office like it was nothing. But yeah, workplace um, violence and stuff. Yeah, you know, work, workplace violence. Although the Canadian government said right away it was a terrorist attack. You know, we our administration has this issue about calling things a terrorist attack. They don't like that. Yeah. That's a scary word. That's a scary word. So, um, so then yesterday, another lone wolf um, decides he's going to try to chop down two uh, New York City police officers with an S-wing camp axe. And of course, everybody's calling it a hatchet because it looks like, you know, like one of those uh, Hudson Bay. Look, it's you know it's you know which one I'm talking about. It's the one with the with the blue handle, blue yes. rubber handle. Yeah, I I actually the, saw saw a video of it. Yeah. yeah, and um and of course he hit one one of the officers in the head, and he hit the other one in the arm, and then I I'm assuming the one that got hit in the arm wasn't his gun arm, and he drew his weapon and shot this guy and killed him. Well, I'm sure but, that there's going to be outrage over that, you know, because the guy dropped the axe at the last second, <laughs> and yeah. you know, yeah, he's yeah. unarmed. After hitting the first guy. Yeah. <laughs> After hitting the first guy, yeah. So um, and so now they look for the ban on the hipsters are going to all be pissed because there's going to be a ban on axes now. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't and know what's going to happen. Won't then. be able to sell like crazy money painted handle axes and stuff. I got I got an email from uh, from our friend Anthony the other day saying that he was going to go to Ground Zero, the hipster Ground Zero, and go to that best store and see what a what a over MSRP Sabenza looks like. <laughs> mm. Yeah, they have um the other thing they've got in there is they've got these uh you remember how like back in olden times and I bet if you look around in your garage you can find one of these those old shitty extension cords with like cloth wrapping and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yep, yeah. Yep. I mean, you can you you see them every now and again, and especially yeah, like non-grounded wires. Yeah, just really crappy old things that burn down your house and stuff. Well, um, for a while, they were selling one of those, and they wanted $1,000 for it. Whoa! Yeah. Was it like a, was it a vintage one, or was no, it No, it was like new. Um, but so it was they, like a repop, so they probably just put like the cloth over the outside of the cord. Yeah. <laughs> and they wanted oh, a grand for it. That's funny. Yeah. That's actually pretty wild. You know, but there's, there is... You know, that tends to make me think about um, w- why we do certain things and why the there's an appealing notion of going back to the 40s and the 30s and the 20s and the, and the turn, you know, back to the turn of the century. There's a, there's a, I think there was a sense of comfort uh, back then that, that we're missing today. And I think that that's why everybody's wanting to go back to it. I remember, I'm thinking like 15 years ago, I bought a, I was at an auction sale, and I bought an old Victrola hand-cranked 
record machine, record player. Yeah. And like five boxes of, I have like five boxes of those old records. They yeah. those old, they're not 78s or even before 78s. <clears throat> and I, and I, we've always had a nice stereo system or something in the house that you can play music. And I remember one Christmas, all during Christmas dinner, my kids were playing Christmas music on that Victrola. And that's, that's kind of become a tradition hmm. um, to, to do that. And, and there's that, the sound of that music, even coming through that shitty old hand-cranked <laughs> Victrola machine, there's something about that that, that like brings you back to a simpler time. And I think that that's, I think that that's something that we're missing. I think well, that that yeah. there's there's this inner inner desire to go back to the simpler times when, um, you know, when you could beat your kids. Oh, no, I mean, you could, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just teasing. When you could, when you could, um, I mean, well, yes, when you could discipline your child and you could teach them something in the process. And I'm not talking beating them with a stick or anything like that. I'm just talking about. You know, just a simpler time when you when you didn't have to look over your shoulder every minute to make sure that somebody wasn't going to turn you in because you just you didn't drive with your seatbelt on. Yeah, well, and then you know the as a public service announcement, um, <laughs> you're just full of those today, right? Well, <laughs> number one, um, never ever 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 uh, uh, drink a beer without checking the alcohol content. And of course, you know, I I have I never ever ever have a drop of alcohol and get in a car, so don't do that. Um, no. So lest anyone think that I was out in public being naughty, I was not. Um, but you know, so that's number one. Number two, um, you can find on like uh, eBay and other sites, you can find old tube radios. Uh, you know, the Bakelite tube radios from like the 40s and 50s before the transistors really took off. And they sound a lot different. Yes, they like, do. I, I've got one, uh, the only one that I've ever seen that has uh, both AM and FM on it. Most of those old tube radios were just AM. Um, right. And so I, but I have one in my kitchen that we listen to uh, the radio on. Um, that's AM, FM, and then I have another one that's built into uh, an old antique phone with the wood box and all that. But oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and and the way you tune it is you uh, turn the crank. Well, oh, that's that's awesome. I can I can do whatever I, I I have tried fucking everything. Okay, I put signs on there. Don't touch the crank. I put uh, you know. I put it in a spot where you'd have to like climb up on something to even reach the crank. The first thing that anyone does when they see that is they go up and they turn the crank around and around and around, and it's like they're trying the, to make a phone call, right? And the, it strips the uh, it strips the the tines out of the um, the thing, nice, out of the tuner. So nice. So you know what you do? You you wire that up so yeah. that anybody that touches it, it electrocutes. Yeah, that you have to press a button somewhere else, or or if you unless you have that button depressed that breaks a circuit, if they touch the thing, they're going to get the hell shocked out of them. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, you know, we electric bullwhip. <clears throat> we used to have an old Grundig that was 
and I know you've seen these before. They were they, they were like shiny Bakelite outside cases. They were like the size of a like a size of a twenty six inch TV. Oh yeah. Um, they, I mean they were huge. Huh. And um, and then they had like a cloth front, and they had a tuner knob, and a, and yeah. they had like, and that that actually had like four or five different bands because it had shortwave too. Oh wow! So so you could pick up some of the shortwave uh, radio free America stuff that was being bombed into Cuba. Yeah, we'll have uh, to during that time. What we actually need to to talk about that briefly in a little bit. Oh, um, okay. But the, I mean, it was kind of a neat, and it was, and it was all tubes, and it was. Uh, I wonder whatever happened to that thing. It was cool as hell. It had big, big freaking buttons. They were like the size of piano keys on the front of it that you pushed down, and it went clunk, clunk. Yeah. You know, and when you changed uh, changed frequencies. Well, and and the the tubes, um, you know, it takes a while for it to turn on. So you turn it on, and it takes a while for the tubes to warm up before you get sound out of it. Um, but it sounds different, and that's that's mm -hmm. why a lot of uh, guitar players and musicians want to use tube amplifiers as opposed to using, you know, the transistor amplifiers and stuff. It it really does sound different. Um, well, so uh, I have a an update uh, on uh, the Bowies that I made. Okay. Uh, so I mean, obviously they're they're they've been gone for a long time. They're all sold. But uh, the guy that bought number one is a is a family friend, and he he used to live in Des Moines, and then his wife took a job uh, out in San Francisco, and he lived in Oakland, right? And he was always bitching uh, about the noise in his neighborhood. And I found this news story. Oh, I think I lost you. Uh, I that that's just 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 funnier than hell, and and what they were doing was they were taking their cars and they bring them to a muffler shop, and the guy in the muffler shop welds this little whistle thing into the end of the muffler, and, and uh, they people drive down the street and it's like woo like that, and so he'd be like sleeping in his bed and like these cars would be driving by like loud as hell all night long, and so I I yeah. want I want that. Why? So do I. So I'm going to splice in the uh, news report that I found on that. The latest rage for kids is driving parents and entire neighborhoods crazy. It's called a whistle tip, and it's welded inside a car's muffler to make the car screechingly loud for nearly a mile. Well, tomorrow night, Oakland residents will be complaining officially to City Hall officials. Crown Force Mark Jones has the story live in Oakland this evening. Mark. Well, Pam, city residents have been told this noise is perfectly legal, so tomorrow they hope to start the process to change the law. Nearly every muffler shop in Oakland is installing Whistler tips. It's a piece of metal welded inside the exhaust pipes that makes the car audible for almost a mile. Tell me about the whistles. The whistles go whoop! Anybody that has it in their neighborhood is going to be totally driven crazy. It sounds like what? Well, you want to whoop, whoop! It's that woo woo, you know what I'm saying? Then you got the flows. They didn't trip off the flow masters. That decoration, man. It's just yeah. for decoration. That's, that's it. it and that's all, man. We do it for decoration. You have it on your car? Yeah, I got it on my car. It was being installed on their car. Roxanne Brun says the high-pitched tone, like the squeal of a bar train that doesn't stop, is keeping her awake at night. Police have told her it is legal. 
They think it's a fad. It's going to go away. It's not going away. <laughs> and it's driving you nuts. It's driving me nuts. I work at home. Uh, I can't concentrate when it goes on for, for you know, hours. Some, some neighbors are saying way too loud. That's only in the morning. You're supposed to be up cooking breakfast or somebody. And so that's like an alarm clock. Bub Rub and Little Sis were proud to show it off. Some Oakland residents will complain about the noisemakers Tuesday night at the city council meeting. Until the law changes, Marcelo Cabrera says he will keep installing them. Would you want it in your neighborhood? No, I won't. I won't, but that's what I want. And, you know, my business is sell the pipes, so I have to sell whatever they want. Whatever people want, I'll sell it. <laughs> An AC Transit bus driver told us the noise is so loud you can't even hear the siren from an approaching ambulance. So far, they've caused no known accidents. In Oakland, Mark Jones, Crown Four. Um, but what I was thinking I would do is if I ever end up uh, being able to get my Jeep, I want to get um, those whistle tips but have it so that I can slide it on and slide it off ah. so it's not on there all the time. So they're on the they're right on the tailpipe. Yeah, it's they they weld this little circular thing, almost like a washer, into the end of your muffler, into ah. the end of the tailpipe. And when you when they drive by, it's like woo, like loud <laughs> as hell too. Like that's funny. Yeah, and people were just like freaking out, and they tried to pass laws about it and all this. But anyway, so I I uh, I thought about that. Um, when I was thinking about what I'd want to do aftermarket to a Jeep. <laughs> nice, nice. nice. Uh, knife news. What else do we know knife-wise? Um, I actually found an interesting article uh, the other day. You know, we were talking about bushcraft knives. And and, uh, and if you get a chance um, about the Ray Mears knife, read an article. If you, if you bushcraft, if you bushcraft, if you Google... Google. Ray, Ray Mears Knives. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And then um, Ray Mears Bushcraft Knife. And you don't do images. You do web. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and you scroll down and you will find an article by Alan Wood Knives. The Woodlord yeah, Knife okay, Story. Yeah, okay. I see that. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an interesting piece and it talks about how he met... Ray Mears and Ray Mears was the designer of the, which I didn't know this. You know the um, Wilkinson Sword Survival knife, mm -hmm. the big Rambo-looking thing, yeah, big gigantus, gigantus knife. Well, that's a Ray Mears knife too. Hmm. And apparently, Ray Mears had designed the grinds and stuff on it, and the knife, and what it was supposed to do. And then he pawned off everything else. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But he claims that the people at Wilkinson Sword were the ones that added all the other monkey business on it. Um, okay. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Now, what you'll find in this article is uh, Alan Wood is claiming that he, and I'm not saying that this is not true, guys. So don't, just because I say it like this doesn't mean I don't, I don't believe this because I think this is probably true. And he met. Um, he met Ray Mears at a um, at a at an arms show, and of course they didn't get along very well to start with because he told him that story and Alan Wood laughed at him, and uh, and so he came back later 
and he was apparently fingering up a knife that um, Alan called his woodlore knife, which is the... Uh, it's kind of similar. It probably meets the criteria of a bushcraft knife, um, but it's got a brass guard on it, and it's got a it's got micarta handles on it. Micarta. Yeah, it, it. it can't be guarded. Yeah, it can't yeah. be guarded, and so so. Um, At least Ray according Mears, to the according to the um, yeah Morris Kahansky school right. of thought anyway. So Ray Mears came back. He borrowed this knife and played with it for a while, and came back with. Um, the idea that the guard had to be off of it and, you know, readjusted the handle a little bit and changed the blade and made it a, um, a Scandi type grind. And thus that's how, now where Ray Mears got his influence from has to be Moore's has to be. Yeah. And that's how that, and that's how that knife comes to be. Hmm. And Alan Wood made the original ones. All of the original ones for him. And then they ended up being made at Wilkinson Sword and a couple other makers, and then now it's all history. Everybody's just got one. Yeah. But if you look at that knife, that the, and the first set of pictures in this article, that top knife looks like the Morris-Kohansky knife. Looks similar. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, it's uh, it's crazy... The, the amount of rabbit holes you can chase down trying to figure out, like... Yeah, well, you know. it's, it's, and all of this stuff is interesting, and, and I tell you, I don't, I don't want, um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm picking on them. Um, I mean, but you can trace all of these knives back farther than Moore's, farther than the Sammy people, farther than, you know, I mean, you can chase this stuff back to before biblical times. Yeah, you look in, go go look in the um, National Knife Museum at Smoky Mountain Knife Works. Yeah. And look at the stuff from, like, Roman times and, like, from before. They're all pretty darn similar, you know. Yeah, you'll see a lot of similarities to a lot of this stuff. And and, uh, um, it's like I'm waiting for an email from a fella that came up with some new design and uh and i was like oh that's awesome that you came up with a new design it's kind of unheard of nowadays um i didn't want to say i didn't want to follow up with unless it's really retarded Uh, and by that jim means that he had some bank line that he used so much that the tar wore off hard twice and he sent it back and they tarred it again get annoyed with the political calls nowadays yeah we're getting political calls like over and over again we're getting beat up horribly with political calls you uh i have my i don't i the only landline they have is to a fax machine <laughs> oh and they don't call that eh well they call it but they get an ear full of fax <laughs> um so i don't but but you know if you google images um of bushcraft knife or Ray Mears knife mm-hmm. or OSF knife. OSF knife actually a lot of those knives show up. Um, and if and if some people were uh, didn't know what an OSF knife was, um, take a gander of uh, just Google that. Google OSF knife. Then mm-hmm. go to images and you'll find some uh, 
some images from knife forums that were um, that were done. And actually, what's really kind of funny about those is they were actually copied quite a bit, and they don't look like the standard bushcraft knife. There's there's subtle differences in that knife mm-hmm. that I don't think a lot of people realize. <clears throat> I do really like that knife too, by the way. Yep. Hey, um, you know, I uh, so we had a, a pretty big discussion on my uh, Facebook page after that episode aired about uh, bushcraft knives and these sorts of things. And uh, I, you remember in the last episode I mentioned the um, Blind Horse Knives bushcraft knife. Yes. Do you know who designed that? Yeah, Tim Stetzer. I didn't know that. I had no well, idea. Well, I mean, once again... What does that knife look like? Well, it's it's so so yeah. But it's the it's the only one that I have ever seen uh, that that is an indexed has an indexed handle. Yeah. Look at the first thirty pages of Google Images when you type in bushcraft knife. You will not see a single one that has an indexed handle. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a unique unique take on it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see the, you know, how people put their own, um, take on that particular blade shape and things Yes, yes. and how it evolves and everything. And I don't think we ever actually said it, but I do think looking at the, uh, shape and the handle and, and all of the stats and and the characteristics of Kevin Estella's knife, I do think that that's going to be a good performing knife. Oh, yes. And well, I know that you uh, know, and I, and Battle I Horse Knives uh, does fantastic work, fit and finish-wise. I own a lot of their stuff, you know, so. Well, like I said, you, you, you are not going to go wrong with that knife at 130 bucks. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how you beat it. Uh, yeah, you can't. You can't. And... And and I never once um, implied that that would not be a good knife to own. Very very functional piece. Um, yeah. And I just had some I just had some issues tossing around the nomenclature of of uh, of a of a um, collaboration. You know, I just I don't know. I, there's something about that that uh, is. A little bit. I just, I just, I don't know. It's maybe it's just me. Okay. I should um, just move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do. <laughs> I should just move on before I get in trouble. Um, let's see. What else do I know? Uh, what else came up? Yeah, but that that was cool that Tim Stetzer designed that. I yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, didn't have any idea. And then of course every every company more or less Tops has one. Condor has yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and if you're if you're questioning about what, uh, uh, like I said, Google bushcraft knife images, and you will see how many of these things there are. And believe me, if you flip over the blades and you don't see the maker's mark, you'll have a hard time figuring out whose is whose. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not... That's, that's um, what I've always felt. I mean, that's what I've always felt, is that, that they virtually all come from, a, you know, 
Uh, I mean, it's a similar design. Again, I go back to it's it's similar because the design works. Yeah. You know, and and I think if you get the if you if you get the blade shape right, it's almost impossible to get it wrong. But if you get the blade shape right, then the the difference um, in the knife and the way that it handles is going to be actually in the handle. Mm -hmm. So you know the the knives will have a slightly different handle, and that's where you that's where your design uh, input comes in. And then the other thing is is um, what I did on mine. Um, if you look at a lot of the uh, reg, you know, quote unquote bushcraft knives, um, they're uh, they have a long flat um, bottom surface to the blade. There's not really much curve there. Right. And what I what I did in mine, um, I actually just sent 31 things off to TM Hunt to be heat treated. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, what is I did. Mine in, in there. Um, yours is at the sheath maker, and actually, oh. I have a story from the sheath maker too that we should briefly touch on. Um, but does he remember who I am? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, the uh, on mine, what I did was I gave it a continuous curve from the handle all the way to the tip. Okay. And that. So that, yours uh, would be more. Is yours more like a uh, uh, like a skookum? Because isn't that the yeah, one? Yeah, that, that's well. It, that's that's actually, if you look at the um, Morris Kahansky criteria, that is one of the criteria. Yeah, um, the, and that's the and that's the one criteria that most of the bushcraft knives don't have. Yeah, most of them are have a long kind of flat, but that actually yep. does make a big difference in the performance because you're as you're doing whatever it is you're doing it. It uh, yeah, and, yeah can, and the can you see that? Yeah, on the Bark River, they did it slightly differently. Um, they took uh, on the on the belly on their bushcrafter. It's a continuous curve, but it's not. It, it curves down first and then back up. Right. So they they achieved the exact same thing. They just did it slightly differently. On on mine, mm -hmm. mine mine starts and curves continuously up. There's never a down curve. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's different ways to achieve the. Same thing, mm -hmm. and the, the Bark River one is awesome, and I think I did it, a video on that. Yeah, it works real yeah. well. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is it works real well. Now, you know, people carve things differently, and that's uh, um, oh, there's a picture of a spiderco bushcrafter broke right at the handle. I mean, how the hell do you break a break it I at the handle? Know. I I don't believe some of those pictures. I I think people sometimes will screw stuff up just to cause drama yeah <laughs> it's a, it's too. a it's a full tang one tool steel knife people like come on <laughs> like yeah, if with you a, break with a four that, inch with a four inch blade there how the hell are you breaking something like that halfway up i mean it's like a it's like a like a half an inch behind the choil yeah so I, I don't, don't even know. know how you freaking do something like that that's crazy talk Okay, and then, um, so speaking of uh, my sheath maker, Dwayne Keith Puckett, he uh, last night posted an article from way back in the day. He scanned in uh, an article from one of his magazines on uh, bussy knives <laughs> and about how they were uh, way better. Um, and one of the selling points that they were talking about back then uh, was that it it wasn't just a full tang knife because a lot of a lot of people were making like uh, um, hidden tangs or partial hidden tangs and calling it a full tang 
They were they were calling them full visible tang. And then the other thing that they were saying at the time was uh, that they were better because the only holes drilled through the tang were the holes that like for the screws to hold the thing on. Right. And they were they were against uh, skeletonized tangs back at that time. Right. Um, well, as it turns out, um, I guess the new Battle Mistress has a skeletonized tang. So <laughs> apparently the I, again this is this is all from the article and from his Facebook page. So I I haven't taken a, a Battle Mistress apart to know, um, but if that's true, it's interesting how opinions change over time. Well, and they and you know what? Here's some here's some facts. Um, when you start out, and you're and and Jerry wasn't the only knife maker that did this. They all everybody starts out at a certain spot, a certain preconceived notion that tougher, heavier, more beefy is better. I mean, I know when I when I build something or I design, I always over engineer it. Okay, thinking it's the best. <laughs> yeah. The the better you become, the more you realize that you don't have to over engineer it to make it better. You can you can achieve the same results by by a better design, putting you know, skeletonizing things, you can make it lighter without sacrificing like <clears throat> like that it's it's a like a risk benefit, okay? So you may sacrifice three percent of your strength by giving up 40% of your weight. Is that a, is that a risk worth taking? Sure. Hell is. Well, for me, um, but well, for, you, I think for most people, I don't, yeah. I don't, um, uh, for one thing, personally been in several combat zones, never been attacked by a rabid, uh, cinder block. <laughs> never happened. Never, ever has ever happened. So, I guess, you know, maybe those guys have a little more experience than I do. Well, and then, the, but the point of the article, and the, I, I should read the actual title so I don't screw it up, because I'm always having to confess that I screwed up. So, I'm going to find it and read the actual title for you. The Toughest Knives in the World. Yeah. An Evaluation of Bussy Knives by Outdoor Experts. Right, Rowley Wheeler, whoever whoever he is, I don't even remember him to be honest. Well, at any rate, it's like this four-page article, and there's a lot of lot of chat in there about it. Um, and uh, if you read the the thing, it, it's talking about uh, this guy that was out hunting, and he had this like expensive uh, stick tang knife, custom knife or something, and he was out hunting. And got caught in a snowstorm and had to build himself a shelter and broke his knife or whatever, and just made it out alive. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so this big dramatic story, and then it goes on to say, you know, uh, Bussy does not employ any lightning holes or other cutouts in the handle tang in order to remove weight from the knife. The only holes you'll find under the handle slabs are the ones that the handle bolts run through. As Bussy so succinctly puts it, we tested it, and the most weight we can hope to remove by boring extra holes in the handle tang is a few ounces. And I've always felt that if you can't handle a couple extra ounces, the difference in the <laughs> overall strength of the knife is also dramatically 
uh, reduced when this extra steel is removed. I suppose that's why he's um, he has a few extra ounces on him. Well, I I doesn't, I, I, doesn't bother him at all. I honestly have no idea. Um, <laughs> I I think I saw him one time. Um, yeah. But at any rate, um, he's not a little boy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I, I remember I'm, I'm him being guessing, shorter and not not particularly rotund. I'm guessing like maybe forty pants. Well, that's forty. Yeah, maybe I didn't pants? see Jerry Bussey then. Maybe fifty pants. I don't know. I, I well, at any I, rate. I I I I don't know. Well, he's at a any big. Rate, he's I, a, I'll tell you what. He's a big boy, and I'm sure that three ounces doesn't bother him at all. Yeah, well, you know, that's why it's great that there's lots of choices that we can all kind of choose what we want. That's right. Um, that's right. Let's see. I can't uh, say anything bad about a bussy because I don't have one. I I own two, and I actually like them, and I want um, the th I want a third one, real bad. I want that yeah. uh, Team Gemini. Yeah. Um, but uh, have not um, plunked down the three hundred and eighty-seven bucks to get one. So. That's you want to be like the, steep. you want to be like the so you so you're watching uh, Walking Dead. Yep, we're on episode yeah. three. Yeah, season. it's actually pretty interesting. I mean, if you if you really seriously look more to the relationships, you'll especially your wife will she'll enjoy it a little more. Yep. If if you if you point those out. Yep. But okay, final ten minutes. What do you want to talk about? All right, let's rock and roll, baby. We got to talk about what Ebola. Oh yeah, Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. Yeah, it's funny. You so, know, like I said, I, you know, I fall. We, latest thing, if you hadn't heard, there's a new doc in in New York City that went and contaminated the city before he turned himself in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna take the subway ride uh, and play, go bowling and stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, I wonder who got his bowling shoes. Hey, this might be the last time I get a ride in the subway or go bowling. <laughs> Fuck it, you know. Woo woo. So, so how does that? How does that actually? I mean, okay. Once again, I'm coming back to why are these doctors getting sick? Did they just all of a sudden become so cocky that they don't think they can get it? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. I mean, I'm really seriously wondering about this because, like I said, 30 years of developing the procedure and sticking to the procedure, and people have not been getting sick like this hmm. up until th just this year. You know, one, one, one buddy of mine was telling me, oh, so this is Obama's fault. Uh, and, I, and I said, no, you know what? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I, what I'm saying is it's either one of, it's either one of two things. Either, either the, the virus has changed and become more virulent, and we're still being the same, you know, perfect, uh, uh, having the best training sessions for our people that are in contact with these, you know, doing this kind of work doing the CDC training and doing the CDC, all of their, um, what do they call it, the uh, the protocols. The, and there's there'll be no breach of protocols. Right. Or the 
the CDC middle management and upper management is no longer preaching that this is very important and you guys need to do these protocols properly. What, what, what can it be? Well, and, and the other thing is um, it, it seems to me that I remember a time when the, the people that were in the top jobs for things, like, say, attorney general, like, when I don't remember, other than Janet Reno, I don't remember an attorney general ever being, like, even remotely controversial or political. Right. You know, um, the same thing with the CDC. I never remember a time where you would look at the CDC and see bumbling idiots heading it. Right. The guy's a bumbling idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, just because you say stupid shit in an NPR voice... Uh, doesn't mean it's d- doesn't mean that you're competent. Just because you say it like this, like you really care, and no, really, we can't shut down the border because you know um, that would only concentrate the disease. You need to spread it around. You know, <laughs> stupid ass reasoning. You know. Well, you know, like I, I don't. I don't remember a time when you would, when the top guy would be so obviously incompetent. It's. Right. I think part of what has changed is now like donors and favors and all this stuff you no longer does the guy in charge have to be competent like the guy they appointed as the ebola czar you want to know what his medical background is (laughs) zero he he stayed he stayed in the holiday inn last night zero yep stayed did he stay in a holiday inn express last night? i'm sure he did and and probably one with solar panels on it because you know what else he did he's the guy that green lighted the solyndra project Awesome. So that's that's how much competence they've appointed into that role. This guy, the only thing he's done in his life is run political campaigns and work inside Washington. Has no fucking clue about anything. And that's the guy they appoint to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the crazy so, thing So you know, so you know how important this is. Right. You know, it almost so this, makes me wonder if we're being had here. You think? Don't you trust your government? Oh, I you know I'm, I'm I know we're supposed to because our our idiots are so much better than all other government people in in all time. You know, the, Isn't that something? You know the, what? Uh, <laughs> they they um oh uh, this the CDC doc. If if you didn't know, you probably knew this. He was the one that formed the Doctors for Obama. Yeah, campaign. and do you want to know why he's so, the CDC head? <laughs> exactly. Jeez, I exactly. wonder why. Was, that's his. That's his claim to fame. Was he was the organizer for that? So apparently, that gives him qualifications to deal with just uh, disease control. Well, he. I. I don't know. Maybe he's got. Maybe he's got some experience along those lines. I. I have no idea. Um, I just know that watching him talk, I know you're dealing with an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, you open your mouth and stupidity pours out and party line pours out. And I just don't trust you anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But Well, that's what, that's some, somewhere along the line, we've become, and, and I don't care what the division you want to call it, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, um, uh, smart person, stupid person. At some point in time, we've gone away from become, being Americans and thinking that our country and our, and our uh, population comes first, and we've become something else. Yeah, it's and, now, 
Um, you know, the haves and the have-nots. It's the it's the poor and the rich. It's the we're we're really really divided. But uh, part of, part of the problem is is that our culture is basically divided, and it's it's divided between between people that you know basically want to take and people that want to make for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I realize that's an extreme oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Um, but really at the, at the bottom of it, that's what's going on. And th- it, those, the, the takers are starting to get to the point where they have critical mass. And, and the problem is, is you can't, you can't have a majority of the population believing one way. You can't have a, you can't have a collectivist population and a, uh, freedom and property rights or oriented government. The two are incompatible. You know, you, you know, know what, uh, uh, there was a, a saying that floated around and it was called, there are no atheists in foxholes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's sort of like that right now too, because it becomes, what ends up happening is, um, there are no, there are no more liberals or there, or there are no more conservatives when uh, when everything's going bad, because what ends up happening is you you end up turning to the government for help. Yeah. Um, and you look at the things that are going south right now: the invasion over our southern border, the Ebola viruses, the the um, the random what seems to be random attacks by um, um, uh, Muslim extremists or Islamic extremists. We're supposed to call it workplace violence now. Yeah. We're starting to think that now all of a sudden either um, we have to turn to the government or we have to revolt. Hmm. And and it's becoming like, okay, you're either either turning to the government or you're one of those guys that want to revolt, want a revolution. And I, it, that's it the seems last like we're thing I want. So, well, I know what I'm saying is it's becoming so divided yeah. that it's either we need to give the government more money so that they can control more of our lives, or the other side of the coin now has become fuck that. Yeah, get fuck out that. of my life. <laughs> get out of my life. I don't want you in my life. Yeah, and and there's gonna be a there's gonna be a come to meet and come to Jesus meeting here before too long because it it can't continue on this path. You know, can we frack? Can we have fluoride? Can we vaccinate? Can we, should we? Nah, eh, eh. I don't trust the government, so I'm not going to vaccinate my kids. Well, now now we have E85 and and uh, and whooping cough again and all these other things that are floating around. <clears throat> you know, because I don't trust the government because the government's fucked me six ways from Sunday on everything else. Why am I going to trust them for the vaccine <laughs> right. or for the fluoride? I mean, <laughs> well, and, and, that's, and that's the thing is like when you see blatant incompetence over and over and over and over again. Uh, How do you believe them when it's true? You know. It's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you trust them when you know that they're idiots? You know, like, I, I don't know. Well, anyway, so closing us out here, uh, I did, uh, I, I listened uh like I said to that uh, No Agenda podcast at the suggestion of one of our listeners. And these guys, uh, they're, they're more Alex Jonesy than, than, than I'm, I, I mean, I'm just not there. You know, I'm just not a, a conspiracy guy. 
Um, right. Nine times out of ten, in my opinion, it's, more, it's, it's the more simple. It's the simple explanation. Yeah, it's it's what you're seeing today is more naivety and incompetence. I think. Yeah. Well, and then and then the other thing is is like notice how. Um, the people that are always talking about these conspiracy things, it's like big, huge, multinational th- things are conspiring against little old me. That's how important I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, obviously, um, the guy, you know, that has, uh, the, you know, whatever it is he does in life, um, obviously, he's so important that big, huge multinational companies know about him and are conspiring against him to make his life hell, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just, I just don't feel that way. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm I'm like, I just am not, I don't identify with that, but Mm -mm. they have, they've been, one of their themes is they, they do a really good job of pointing out, um, times when the media is all saying exactly the same thing almost as if they're reading from the same card right and uh they spend a lot of time talking about the smith munt act so smith as in joe smith and munt as in m-u-n-d-t and so this morning um you know i just got sick of hearing about it and i'm like okay so these guys are full of shit and you know, whatever. I'm I'm going to take a couple minutes and look this up, and and what they're saying is that uh, th- what their point is is that the Smith Munt Act uh, was right after World War II when we just de- decided we were going to start propagandizing people in other parts of the world using like Radio uh, Free America or whatever. You know, the, whatever. The stuff that we pipe in over in other countries mm-hmm. to, to to propagandize them, um, they that's when we first started getting that was right after like World War II ended, and at the time, uh, the Congress and everybody was concerned that uh, the the government resources uh, of the State Department would be used to do the same thing only and do it to Americans. So. There was a specific clause in the Smith-Munt Act that expressly forbid um, State Department funds from being able to uh, be used to propagandize American people. Well, in and their point is, is well, that was repealed. And and half the time you hear this kind of thing, you're like, whatever. So I went and I looked. Um, there's very the Wikipedia article for the Smith-Munton Act does not mention that it was appealed, repealed um, or the, that it was amended to basically take that particular clause out of it. And you look and you look and you look. You can find some news sources, uh, but I actually found the actual bill um, where they repealed it. And it's from... Uh, you can go on uh, www.govtrack.us and or or any anything where you can look up the text of bills that have passed. And this particular bill was uh, National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2013, um, passed uh, on December 28, 2012, and was signed by the president January 2, 2013. And it's uh, HR 4310, and you can look in there. And at the last minute, they added an amendment to basically make it so that the State Department could be used to 
uh, propagandize people. And the No Agenda podcast guys are freaking out about that, and I can understand why. But um, what they're missing, the, the part of the story that they're missing is, is that there's nothing, there's no law to prevent any other part of government from, from propagandizing the United States people. The only, the only part of the government that was prohibited by law from doing it was the State Department. That's it. You know, so it's like you're so concerned about the State Department being able to propagandize people. Meanwhile, that was the only one that was ever limited. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and, um, you know, I, researching this stuff, I looked and uh, as it turns out, um, there was this journalist, Michael Hastings. And say what you want about his politics. Um, he identified as a collectivist. Uh, and uh, sort of him and Green Greenwald. Uh, what's his name? Green. The guy with the Snowden stuff. Is it, um, Green something or other. Greenwald or... Anyway, Greenwald. Yeah, well, those two guys were very, very... They were publishing stuff that was like somewhat... Uh, <laughs> somewhat awful about the government. And like... You know the Snowden um, leaks and all these things, and they um, Hastings was one of these guys. He was still on U.S. soil at the time. I think uh, Green Glenn Greenwald has been out of the country for a long, long time. He occasionally comes back to give a speech or something like that. But basically, he lives in in England and in some other South American country where his boyfriend is from or something. Um, but both of those guys are extremely adversarial to the government. And so both of them have been harassed and targeted and all these things. And that summer, so summer of 2013, I want to say it was July or something, uh, you can, people can look it up and fact check me, but um, Hastings was driving his Mercedes in uh, Los Angeles and it, down uh, one of these you know, broadways or th thoroughfares, I guess you'd call them, at going like 140 miles an hour and slammed into a palm tree and the car exploded. You know, so there was a lot of there was a lot of chatter and theory that you know that was a government hit and all these sorts of things. And and the thing they're focusing on, and the the thing that people are are saying would be a reason why they would do that is that he he number one he uh, he wrote this piece on that McAuliffe that General McAuliffe is, is that mm -hmm. his name or McChrystal I guess. Oh yeah, do I have that right? So he wrote he wrote a piece on on him that was not flattering, and I think it ended up with his being replaced, and that he was also working on an article um, about uh, this one of the CIA guys or something, a profile of him at the time wasn't really uncovering anything, and so people think it was because of that CIA article. But what they didn't know, and what you have to dig for to find, is. Hastings is the one that uncovered um, the fact that they had basically repealed the Smith-Munt Act, or, or repealed the part of the Smith-Munt Act that forbids the uh, using State Department funds from for propagandizing United States people. So it, you know, and you you kind of have to dig, and I just kind of found it by accident. But that's one of the last articles that the guy ever wrote, right? You know, so for you people that are real conspiracy minded and, you know, think that he was offed by the government, look at this, you know, yeah. what, what do you think they're more mad at? <laughs> right. You know, well, and that's the, and that's the thing is like, we don't realize 
the extent of, you know, I, I know that was that of. was not picked up by like there. There was just a if you look Smith Munt Act repealed, you're gonna find links to sites. Some of them are like really crazy, wacko, whatever sites, and then there's like Mother Jones, and then there's a foreign policy one. But the the mainstream media, there was never a AP article about it. There was nothing. No, and you know what? When you when you do look for this stuff, try to try to get try to find some sources that are not considered um, nuts. Right. Well, that's that's why I went and tracked down the actual bill. You know, I like to read Breitbart, and I like to read uh, some of the other. You know, um, but the problem is, is they've they've become villainized. That anything that comes out of there now is sort of like Wikipedia, and you really have to question whether even Wikipedia is correct or, or uh, Snopes is not right anymore. Well, about Wikipedia has no mention of that being repealed, and I'm looking at the bill right now where they yeah. did it. Yep, and um, and so when you're when you're um, to to try to try to get sources that are not like in the mainstream getting picked on by stuff. And I, I think I, I, when I looked at that this morning, I mentioned a couple of them to, to you, Kyle. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was funny because if you, you got to go like to the bottom of the Google list when you, when you try to find the ones that are like a little more center line, a little more mainstream. Um, because the ones that are the first ones that show up are the ones that are kind of, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that they're not looked at as being yeah they as, they will they others. they will attack the messenger yeah, yeah if yeah. you if you quote that source they're going to attack the messenger exactly so that's so, why um, I went and found the original bill yeah and you, and know, that's you the can whole, you can argue with whether or not Congress passed it if you say they didn't you're just wrong because I'm yep. looking at the bill yep um yeah but uh, anyway so that that was kind of interesting. Um, but I think where the no agenda guys have it wrong is, is you know, they're they're freaked out by the fact that the State Department can now propagandize us when the rest of the government has always been able to and always has propagandized us. Right. Right. You know. Um, so. And I know, anyway. I know. That I think what happens is I think you have uh, you have the government that thinks of the rest of the population as lemmings, <laughs> and and. You know that we need to be told where to go and what to do and how to how high to jump and I don't know I'm getting kind of disgusted I'm looking for my little desert island somewhere <laughs> gonna gonna go down and uh, live off a of conch and uh, and uh, fish mm-hmm. maybe I'll bring a pig or two yeah. Don't kill the original pigs. <laughs> no, no, let them have babies. Yeah. Yep. Let them have babies. <clears throat> Actually, bring like four pigs and let two of them go wild, and then have something to hunt. Yeah. That would be that would be fun, huh? Yeah. Yep. So so tell me about where you're going tonight. Oh, same park. Uh, we have a cabin, and actually, I need to get out there. Um, Your wife already there? Uh, they're, they're waiting for me to finish up and edit this and go, so. Okay, okay, so, well, I don't want to keep you all night here, so let's, uh, let's call this a quits, and we'll, we'll, we'll resume this next week, um, because this conversation, there's going to be a lot of things developing over the weekend, it's Friday afternoon, um, 
<laughs> Snow, slow news day. <laughs> Actually, here's a here's another. Uh, um, never mind. Anyway, yeah, slow news. <laughs> slow news day. So it's Friday afternoon. So we'll be. Um, uh, we'll be here until you know. I've got some stuff I got to do, and still trying to catch up on my wood pile. And now that we've got um, the 15 inches of rain, looks like it's subsided for a while. Uh, we're going to be um, going to be putting some wood away this weekend and having some fun <laughs> using the using my chainsaw. And it, guys, if you have never run a 440 steel chainsaw, <laughs> that's what you cut wood with. Yuppers. That makes short work of a wood pile. And then the Gransford splitting mall, yeah, baby. Yeah, that works good. Yeah, baby. So, so that's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. Working out my shoulders, working out my arms, working out my biceps. Going to Jim's gym. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so let's call it. Let's uh, like us on Facebook, podcast, uh, Night Journal Podcast on Facebook. Uh, hit us up on um, uh, podcast at knifejournal.com. Uh, visit the forums at knifejournal.com. And uh, you can like Kyle or me on Facebook because we'll usually accept all comers. Just mention that you might listen to the podcast once in a while and you're a shoe in yeah um, <laughs> yep so i'm just i'm just teasing we're pretty friendly guys we try to um, be yeah we need to we need to seriously start thinking about a winter trip a winter yeah trip. i know gotta get Let's, that uh, anybody anybody out there that wants to uh uh participate in that in such shenanigans as uh, uh camping out when it's when it could possibly hit 30 or 20 below zero <laughs> it, arctic weather with snow and ice and feet uh, of snow yeah and and drop us a note and um uh we'd be glad to take you out and uh and show you a good time show you how much fun you can actually have in the in a camp on a camping trip when it's that cold <laughs> so um that's all i got all right you uh, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper, and uh, join us again next week because I'm sure we're going to have another one next week. Yep. Okay. Bye bye and bye bonds. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>